0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather bible carrying case and cover pull up a chair and let's dig in well jake here we are again for another recording uh session uh you me and the backup singers we're tackling palm sunday today but before we get to it
1: how are you I'm doing great, Aaron. Uh, I'm really, uh, this is one of the, this is probably like the most exciting time of the year for us. And so I really love, I love Holy Week. I love Palm Sunday. I love all that it represents. And so um, I think it's a really great witness in our cities. And so to celebrate Palm Sunday and uh, to celebrate Holy Week. But for those who of our listeners who might not know what Palm Sunday is, what is Palm Sunday? Jake, you didn't ask me how I'm doing. Oh, that's because I don't care. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> How are you doing, Aaron?
0: Uh, great. Let's move on. All right. So, yeah. Uh, what's what's Palm Sunday? It yeah, because there are there are whole segments of the church world that don't really observe it. You kind of have normal church, normal church, normal church. Easter, normal church, yeah. normal church, normal church. And uh, so, if you are in a tradition that doesn't do Palm Sunday or doesn't uh, um, enter into Holy Week. Uh, the way that we do in the Episcopal Church or other liturgical uh, churches or churches that are gathered around the church year. Uh, This may be a new thing for you, listener. You may be in a church that doesn't do this, and so uh, you may skip this. But it's a great treasure to, as Jake, you said, I mean, you're excited about, because you're you're a church geek, you're excited about Palm Sunday. But it's not just for those of us who have devoted our lives professionally to to this weirdness. But Why is it important for people to to do Palm Sunday? I'll go first, and then I'll turn it over to you, Jake. Um, I think um, it is important to set the stage for what is about to happen with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because it's so much to take in, and most of us don't. And I think Palm Sunday is important to kind of spread it out, uh, to enter into this time. And it helps us, I think, more than almost any time in the year, you walk through, uh, in the same amount of time today, the sort of seven days uh, of, the, of the week that begins with Palm Sunday, lines up one for one with the life of Jesus Christ, and you are invited in the midst of your crazy life to think through over the course of this week of what Jesus was doing for you and for the world so many centuries ago, there's other parts of the church here that very much speed things up. Advent sort of speeds things up. Um, uh, there's other parts uh, like this one, though, that slow down and you get to walk with Jesus actually in the same amount of time that he was going through these events. So that's one of the things I think is important. What about you, Jack Hub?
1: Well, I like. Um, I mean, one I like to just get palms uh, before, and uh, but the, <laughs> the truth is, is that um, the point of Holy Week and the beginning with Palm Sunday is that it's a big reminder to us, and and this is kind of the, one of the overarching themes of the liturgy, which Holy Week is the crown jewel in the liturgy of the crown that is the liturgy, uh, but. Um, it's to remind you that you're you're invited into God's story. And yeah. so when Jesus is do this in remembrance of me, it's not just some sort of memory from a long time ago and wasn't that neat. No, this, this is deeply rooted in the Jewish tradition of, of being brought into the story itself. And, uh, and so we're invited to enter into that story ourselves. And uh, see our place in it, which is the crowds that cheer and say Hosanna in the highest and within a week later are saying uh, crucify him. And uh, this wonderful act that God has done to come and save us. And so the liturgy typically gathers outside of the church or somewhere like nearby before a procession where we sing uh, a couple of great hymns, like All Glory, Laud, and Honor. But we have this amazing Gospel reading from Luke chapter 19, which tells the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem.
0: Yeah, and and let me again, so if we have some non-Episcopalians or uninitiated uh, folks in here, There's, there's what Jake is saying is there's basically two services. There's a little service called the Liturgy of the Palms, often outside, and then this other big service that includes a huge long reading of the Passion narrative of Jesus Christ. So it's the, the, the thing that we do when we give people palms we read this story and again it seems this weird thing it's so disconnected from our daily life when do you and I ever wave branches around uh, to celebrate somebody who's walking through them except that one weird time uh, in your fraternity in college and we can't talk about that but Mm -hmm. in general we don't wave branches around at people Uh, and, uh, but this was the way you greeted a king when they entered, uh, their village. You know, you, cities were always walled, uh, for defense. And when the king entered a victorious king returning back after battle or some journey, they would, um, uh, grab, uh, branches and sort of hail the person kind of a, like a parade sort of celebration, uh, sort of thing. What else is important here to, to help people, uh, figure out why this stuff matters, Jake, this whole triumphal entry with the palms and all this sort of stuff.
1: Well, I think it um, it this this particular passage, I think in Luke chapter 19 verses 28 through 40, really uh, shows kind of the fickleness of humanity and um, and uh, of, you know, here they are, and they are ready to go and they are expecting um, this great, Uh, Davidic king who's going to overthrow Rome. And it's really interesting when you go to Jerusalem, um, the gate that Jesus processed into, they actually believe um, the gate on the other side of the Old City is the same gate that uh, Pontius Pilate would have come into um, the same time Jesus is writing, and it was a tradition of the Romans on Passover to come and come up from their capital, which is uh, Caesarea Mauritania, and crucify a bunch of people to let them know that Rome was in charge. And so you have these two images of Rome and then Jesus coming into the city at the same time, and Rome with all of its order and power, um, and Jesus in what appears to be complete chaos and weakness. And so in here, these two powers are coming together into this city, um, but the truth is is that um, uh, power and strength is actually foolishness and weakness in God's eyes, and foolishness and weakness is actually his power and strength.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing, and we can t- maybe touch on this later as well, because it's all interwoven, but I think another reason why it's really important to have Palm Sunday, in mi opinión, is because it connects the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as mm-hmm. it should be, to the Passover. Um, and right. I think there's a lot of people that miss that. There's a lot of folks in the church today that will really want to separate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ from any sort of sacrificial atonement, but you, right. can't, you can't really do that that, scripturally at least, because it's so wedded to the Passover meal and Jesus taking the bread and the wine and saying, this is my body and this is my blood and this is given for you. And it's a sacrifice for you. It's clearly sacrificial language and it's all over the place and it's connected to Passover. It's not, as some people would want to say today, a fellowship meal. Certainly there is fellowship involved, but that's not what it's for. And so it's to remind us of The first Passover, which if you remember, obviously, uh, good Bible readers out there, was when the people of Israel were delivered from slavery in Egypt. And there was a sacrificial lamb that each of them had to slaughter in their house and put the blood on the doorposts. And so the destroyer angel of the Lord passed over them and did not bring judgment or death on them. And so there's sacrifice, there's blood, and there's release from bondage, which is all Mm. clearly what's about to happen here with Jesus Christ. And so it's not just a fellowship meal. It's not just people gathering on a table and isn't this great. Jesus Christ is the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. There's that's atonement right. throughout the whole thing. So that's another thing. Again, Pete, you're and just going to say Passover. People aren't going to know what it means, but it's there, and that's why it's there, and it's important if you want to make that point.
1: Absolutely, and you know that's actually a good point for clergy out there. There's a real push out here to, um, to set an Easter date just to make it always like March 31st or something like that. And uh, Yeah, boo. It has to be connected with the Passover. Actually, the Passover this year falls right on Saturday, uh, the eve of Easter, and so um, it's very important. This is is all connected, and this is one of the reasons why, for those of you, um, the liturgical colors are red, you know, and um, the liturgical colors are red because it represents the blood and the passion, which is related to the word suffering of our Lord Jesus. And so um, it's all there together, and here also in this reading, with Jesus's triumphal Im- image uh, entry, is the imagery of a Davidic king, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, all that has been hoped for and longed for. And uh, God gives us not what we want, but exactly what we need, and this is what we're getting in Jesus.
0: Yeah, and I think. This, again, that's to me, Jake, and I'm really glad you brought that up. Well done. Uh, Is This is the emotional hook of the whole thing. Like, why does it matter? Why do people freak out when Jesus enters the city? Why do they wave branches as he comes in on this little uh, donkey? Um, The reason is because everybody is desperate for a savior. Everybody Mm. is desperate for a king, a boss, a savior, someone who can set the world right, someone who can make their own life right, someone who can uh, just, man, put the world back together because it's a mess. And so if you want to know why Palm Sunday is a big deal, it's the celebration of God arriving to fix things and put things right, Mm. Um, bringing justice, bringing peace, restoring order to the galaxy. But of course, uh, it's not going to end up looking the way people think it's going to look. But nevertheless, the reason people are excited and the reason we enter into this and remember and actually do these things and wave these branches and all that is because it connects us to the fact that, man, we all really want somebody. We want help to arrive. We want somebody Can to come. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Can I
1: tell you, the last the last sentence in this uh, passage, so th- some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. And uh, I have always used this passage, this verse right here specifically, as an explanation of the ministry and meaning of Mockingbird, Mm. Um, and that um, Mockingbird's job is, because the church so often isn't doing it anymore, sharing the gospel, the job of Mockingbird is to find where the stones are shouting out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's a good time to give a plug for Dave's book, Seculosity, and the guy who's actually able to see where the stones are crying out. And so... um, so uh, get that book and order it today, and uh, and so. But that's I mean that is exactly it. If we would not do this, the Stones will shout out, and if you look carefully, you'll find that they are shouting out. Um, uh, this this message of grace is 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 just is is people need to hear it. Yeah, the Rolling Stones. By the
0: way, Mick Jagger's uh, album uh, "Goddess mm-hmm. in the Doorway" uh, was yeah. that the name of the album? The song "Joy" is one of the best rock mm-hmm. and roll. Uh, t- tellings of the of the stone crying out. But, anyways, we digress. Today's episode brought to you by Seculosity by David Saul. Get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Hashtag
1: Seculosity. All right, we get nothing so, for that.
0: But we're that's, in the that's, church. We're that's in the church sponsor. and. Uh, that's right.
1: And uh, the service continues, and it continues now with this very long passion reading. Some people um, have it uh, dramatically read and pick members of the congregation to be people, um, to be the characters in the story. Um, I've been in one church where the whole thing was chanted by one cantor, and it was the uh, longest and most painful thing I'd ever been a part of. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but this is the passion reading. Now, there are two other readings in there. There's Isaiah and there's Philippians, and we could talk on that if, we, if you wanted but uh, we thought that maybe we'd give you um, a couple of nuggets of things that Aaron and I would touch on if we were um, preaching this passage. And I want to say there's a lot of word in this passage, so you can give them a homily. Um, you know, uh, give them give them a nugget to take with them so that they'll come back for Maundy Thursday and be a part of the bigger story.
0: Yeah, that's right. You don't want to go on too long. Also, don't, don't do hymns other than the ones you're supposed to do. Do all glory, laud, <laughs> and honor. Do the, don't, don't, don't do the weird ones this Sunday. Um, uh, yeah, this is the kind of thing where the readings in the service, hopefully the liturgy will do the work itself, and your goal as a preacher is to keep it short and sweet and get to the point uh, in this passion uh, narrative. Um, so what are the things that you always uh, hit on or frequently hit on, Jake, in this very long story of Jesus's uh, um, his last supper, his arrest, his crucifixion. What do you, what in that long story do you pull out to talk about?
1: Well, one of the things that I, um, and you know, it ties into Passover, but, um, what I, what I talk about is, um, um, is the, one of the things that I, one of the things that have always stuck out to me is, is the trial of Jesus and where Jesus is, um, put before and the people have a choice and uh, they can either um, have Barabbas or they can have Jesus, and uh, you know it's interesting. Jesus Barabbas literally means uh, the son of the father, and uh, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, Barabbas, fa- yeah, son of the father is exchanged for the true son of the father, and um, and really this is once again going back to what we said: the the importance of this being connected to the Passover. And mm-hmm. so he is the Passover lamb so that we might truly become sons of the Father. And, uh, and so you have humanity represented right on that booth before Pilate. Um, you have the son of the Father on one side and the son of the Father on the other. And, um, and one goes free and one goes to the gallows. Um, and Or to the cross, I should say. And, uh, and that's a very powerful thing. And you can talk about the great exchange that's taking place um, for us on this Easter week and why it's so important, the great Passover right there for you and for me. Yeah, fascinating book actually by Nikos Kazantzakis, the
0: guy that wrote uh, Last Temptation of Christ. Also wrote a book called Barabbas about Barabbas sort of imagining what happens to him after he's freed. The one guy for mm. whom Jesus Christ literally dies in his
1: place. And what is he when he's released, he finds this out. And then what happens to him? Fascinating uh, little book. There's a great movie about it too from the 60s. Um, I forgot who was in it, but uh, it's uh, it is an amazing, amazing movie about a conversion of a man. Um, I think it was the Smothers
0: Brothers, wasn't it?
1: No, it wasn't that. I (laughs) thought it might have been Charlie Chaplin. But um, no, but it is because um, in actually the Eastern Orthodox Church, I believe Barabbas is a saint. And the story is is that he has an insane conversion. Same with uh, Pontius Pilate. Actually, there's a lake in Geneva where supposedly he's buried called Pilates. And um, it's named after Pilate. And so, but the story is, is that. Pilate actually converts as well. Holy so shankies, but, uh, I didn't know that. Well. Wow. Yeah, he's a saint in the Orthodox Church. So um, but um uh more on that another time. yeah uh, on our hagiography episode. And by the and way, so, if
0: listeners, Jake is holding a letter opener right now that looks very much like a dagger. He's sort of twirling it menacingly. I'm terrified <laughs> even though I'm about two thousand miles away. Uh just so, just thinking about the Passover. <laughs> 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 okay. So uh, so you talk about Barabbas and the, the great exchange, how it really is, uh, you know, literally for Barabbas, but also for all of us. Um, something that I uh, often like to look at, and it always strikes me, is just how much failure happens in the story on the part of the mm. disciples and basically everybody else except for Jesus. You know, it begins with sitting at the table with Judas, who clearly is going to fail and betray him. He even, um, uh, Jesus Tells Peter to pray that you don't fail uh, and of course he does as do the rest of the disciples um, uh, it's fascinating where Jesus actually tells Peter how he is going to screw up he says mm. the rooster is going to crow before the rooster crows you will have denied me three times and of course we know from other the other gospel narratives that Peter says no never but so there's that failure and um, There's the failure of the disciples who can't stay awake when Jesus is Mm. praying in Gethsemane. And of course, uh, um, there's the failure of the crowds. Uh, Everybody fails, basically. Mm. And yet, Jesus still goes to the cross. And I think the thing that's always amazing to me, and this hit me for the first time when I went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and you were probably just there, Jake. Um, yeah, Gethsemane is across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. To get there, you have to go out of the city gate, down a steep hill, up a steep hill, and then you're in a valley. And so it's night when this happens with Jesus. And you can you can talk about this Maundy Thursday, too, because it's kind of the same story. But uh, Jesus is there. He's basically gotten out of the city. He's totally free. Uh, it's dark, dead of night. He could keep on wandering if he wants to get out of what's about to happen to him. Uh, and what more incentive would he need than everybody for whom he's dying has just betrayed him or about to betray him. He knows they've all failed. If you were looking to die for good people or good people that deserved it, you would at this point run, but Jesus just stays put and just waits until he gets arrested. He makes himself vulnerable and then just waits there until he gets arrested. So the clear Mm. intentionality of Jesus doing this here always just takes my breath away, and it really struck me when you go to Gethsemane and you just see how he had basically... Escaped. He was scot free once he was yep. in Gethsemane, but he just waits until he until he gets arrested. So what else? Mm. What else do you uh, talk about here, Jake, with uh, with this passion reading in your short homily?
1: Um, well, I, another big one that I like to hit on, especially from the the Luke narrative, is um, the constant yelling um, of "Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself!" And uh, you know, one thing I would kind of hit on in the midst of all of that is our own um, you know, justification projects and how we're constantly prove it, prove it, prove it. You know what I mean? And uh, and they are constantly asking him to do it. And on the cross, he is proving it. Um, mm-hmm. But instead of saving himself, he is the one who saves you. And instead of, you know, being the Messiah that we'd hope for, he's the Messiah that God gives. And it's all of this, this, this powerful narrative is all about people scrambling and trying to take control I mean, they are in the, this. This is the apex of history right here, and yeah. everybody, humanity, is swore, like moving around like ants after it's just rained, and then it ends with this powerful line: "On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment." Um, there, like, everything has come literally to an end in the death of Jesus, and um, and this is, and so there is nothing actually left to do. Um especially for those of us in who live in between those of us all of us who live in this in-between age of the already and the not yet while uh, you know we are waiting for Jesus to return there's nothing left to do but rest okay. according to his commandment and um, and uh, that kind of uh, becomes like kind of almost like a like a solemn reflection as we enter into this 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 bigger idea of what's about to happen
0: yeah so th- one of the things that's going on here obviously is that um This whole passion narrative puts into one service all the stuff that's supposed to happen during Holy Week. And there's kind of a... So Holy Week is the week between the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And so Holy Week is this time you're supposed to be walking with Jesus through those last days of his life. But... Uh, because a lot of people don't come to church, or can't come to church, or won't come to church on Thursday for Monday, Thursday or Good Friday or Holy Saturday, uh, Palm Sunday shoves it all into one. Got baseball
1: practice. Sorry, man. Uh, Got baseball practice. uh, Spring break. break. (laughs) Just
0: kidding. Yeah. Anyways, we love you, people. It's fine. I know. I know. Uh, A little bitter. Little bitter. Yeah. We're just slaving away. It's fine. We don't mind. It's it's cool. It's cool. Uh, Wherever two so, or three
1: are gathered. It's no, fine. Three
0: people. It's good. We didn't really want people to uh, come to this service anyways. It's
1: our secret. So, it's but anyway. Private.
0: <laughs> oh, we just lost a bunch of people, Jake. I know. Next I week's know. numbers are going to be down. Well, two or three are gathered, so it's good. You and yeah, me and right. your and your letter opener. So uh, the, the, <laughs> it's it's too much. It's too much to put into one service, but we try. We do something. But I, I will say... Um, uh if this is as you said jake this is the end of everything i mean you cannot overstate how powerful and amazing these readings are and what's going on here um the this the collision of god with the state and the people mm-hmm. with god and all these things happening um and just people being people and desperate for a savior not even knowing that they've got one because he doesn't look like the one they've been expecting. You talked about the flip flop. They just killed the him. Yeah, they yeah. just yeah. killed him. Whoops. Yeah, I mean, and that's a profound statement about what humanity's like. I mean, you can talk about uh, for. I mean, that that'll
1: preach. You know. I mean, uh, we're basically good people.
0: They're yeah, like, we don't need no, this. No, yeah. no, we yeah, yeah. just
1: no. We killed the one good thing that ever God. walked on the earth. I mean, that right. just yeah. And that's how that's how people tend to go.
0: Uh, most lives, we end up destroying the things we love, and or um, uh, people are incredibly self-destructive. And uh, and people, I think, in your congregation, if they're paying attention at all to their own lives, are probably aware mm-hmm. of how they're self-destructive. And you can say, look, this is this is what people are like, and it's shown in these readings. And yet, God still dies for it. He allows Himself to be crucified. Mm-hmm. Jesus. As he says in other places, if he wanted to, could call the whole thing uh, off. Um, he even prays that way in the Garden of Gethsemane, but he doesn't. Um, mm. This is complete intentionality on Jesus's behalf. Um, this is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all intentionally working together um, to uh, offer this sacrifice for the,
1: for the sins That's of right. the world. And, you know, and then ultimately this brings you to St. Paul's reading in Philippians chapter 2. Verses yep. five through eleven, and which is actually a commentary on the whole thing. What did you call it, Aaron? It the, is called um, the Kenotic hymn
0: because kenosis right. is the word in Greek that means buffalo wings. No, Woo. it means uh, <laughs> it means uh, extra spicy. Just, <laughs> so. it, this whole podcast is me trying to get Jake to laugh. Um, ken, kenosis means emptying, and so this is called the. Emptying him, the canotic him. So it says Christ Jesus um, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or other translations to be grasped. But Jesus emptied himself. So this is the hymn of Jesus emptying himself, taking the form of a slave and being obedient to the point of death. And so this is, yeah, this is, and many people think that this was a hymn that was sung in the early church. Paul puts it in kind of this poetic form. And uh, this is the New um Testament's own interpretation and description and theology of what we are reading about in narrative form in Luke 22 and 23. Yeah.
1: I mean, and the, the whole point here is that, I mean, this is literally a commentary of everything that's happened. I mean, he's uh, become obedient to the point of death, and it's as if Paul is emphasizing it because everybody knew the passage, cursed be the one who hangs on a tree, right. even death on a cross. It, um, you know, this is the powerful thing about Holy Week, and what you're going to see happening is that Jesus is going to try, he's already gone down low by riding on a donkey, uh, yep. but he is about to go lower. He's gonna wash His disciples' feet. You're gonna see Him go lower this week as He goes to the cross. And you're gonna see Him go lower even as He goes to hell itself to set us free. And uh, the truth is, is that, um, you know, uh, and Paul Zoll once talked about this and it's really shaped my life. He said it to me in a real low point. He said, remember, you know, what goes up will come down. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the gospel always reminds us that what is down will eventually come up. And uh, and as they move into into Holy Week, remind them of that.
0: Yeah, uh, I think um, that's 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 beautiful. Uh, I love you, Jake. The Thank other you, I thing, love
1: you too. This is a good thing.
0: Yeah. the, the other thing I want to um, just mention, you had said, uh, just as we were preparing for this, uh, that you one of the things you also uh, tend to mention is the curtain being torn in two. Uh, yeah, I didn't in see the that there. It's yeah, well, being John. No, no, it is here. It is definitely here. Mm. Um, uh, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. So, it, verse forty-four. Mm-hmm. About noon, darkness comes over the yeah. whole land, and then when the sun's while the sun's light failed, this is at three in the afternoon, the yeah. curtain of the temple was torn in two. That's verse forty-five. Mm-hmm. And Jesus that's says, right. "Into your, into your hands I commend my spirit," uh, quoting the Psalms, and then breathes his last. Um, and so, uh, yeah, what's What's the significance there, and what do you say about that when
1: you preach on that, Jake? Oh, the the veil of the temple being torn in two. Yeah, is a great reminder, and un- and you know I don't want to ever get too too down on folks about how they preach it, but um, it is definitely not about you now can go to God. Please, please do not ever preach that. Uh, That's not profound. Um, The profound thing is the veil being torn from top to the bottom is to let you know that now God has come to you. And Mm so, uh, dear listener and dear preacher, no matter how far your congregation runs, uh, when Jesus has called... Uh, Your congregation and a member of it, um, his bride, tell them to shave their lips, shave their legs, and put on their lipstick. uh, (laughs) Because when he's called you his bride, he's coming after you, and there's nothing you can do to get away from it.
0: Man, that is beautiful.
1: Well, I think um, you know the. uh, I think that about does
0: it, Jake. Um, And let's shave your lips too. So (laughs) shave um, your (laughs) lips and your legs and put on your lipstick. And um, and let's all, as we uh, will say on Palm Sunday, ask God to mercifully assist us with his help, that we would enter with joy upon the contemplation Mm -hmm. of those mighty acts whereby God has given us life and immortality through Jesus Christ,
1: our Lord. Amen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. We'll talk to you very soon. All right. Bye, Jake. Thank you. Bye-bye.